After a woman is a nidor for a week when blood exits her uterus, following that week of her being a nidor is a period of 11 days during which if blood exits her womb, it's considered to be irregular and she would become a zova. If this happens just once, she is what is called a zova katana, literally a minor zova. She's tome for that day, and the following day, she would already be able to go to the mikveh to purify herself, but her purity is dependent on her not having that experience again the next day. So if, for example, on a Sunday, during this 11-day period, blood exited her uterus, her womb, if on the entire next day, Monday, until nightfall, at the end of the following day, the end of Monday no blood exits her womb, then she would be pure as long as she goes to the mikveh. And the truth is, she could even go to the mikveh on Monday during the day. Even though, technically speaking, in order for her to go to the mikveh and purify herself, a entire day needs to pass without blood coming out of her womb, there is a rule called mikveh sayom kakuloi. That means that a part of a day, once a part of a day has passed, it's considered to be as if the entire day has passed. So even if she goes to the mikveh on that day, during Monday, we consider it as if an entire day has passed before she went to the mikveh and purified herself. That having been said, if she went to the mikveh and then blood came out of her uterus later on, on Monday, then retroactively the immersion would be invalid, and she would still be tome as a zova, and she would need to wait until the next day. And if on the third day, the Tuesday in our case, no blood exits her womb, then she could purify herself on the Tuesday, that immersion would be valid, and then she would be pure. However, if on the third day, she's blood comes out of her womb again, so now three consecutive days she experienced the same thing, then she would become a zova gedoyla, a major zova, and the two main differences between a minor zova and a major zova is that a major zova is tome not just for that day, but she is tome until seven days pass by without more blood exiting her uterus. As well as that, at the end of the seven days without blood exiting her uterus, she would be obligated to bring certain korbanos, certain sacrifices, and this does not apply to a zova katana, a minor zova, who had this occurrence only once or twice in a row. There are possibly some other distinctions, but these are the two main differences. Now, just by the way, the zova katana, the minor zova, on the day following the day that she experienced the blood coming out of her uterus, when she needs to see whether this happens again, so she is known as a shimeris yoim keneged yoim, which literally means that she's waiting a day corresponding to the day that blood came out of her already. She's seeing whether the next day is going to be the same, or she'll pass that day without that occurrence happening again, in which case she would be fit to become pure again by going to the mikveh. What happens if if she sees blood, blood exits her uterus, her womb, on the 11th day out of these 11 days? Does the concept of a Shomeris Yom Kenegad Yom apply in that case as well? The idea of a Shomeris Yom Kenegad Yom is that she waits the next day to see whether blood will exit her womb again. But the truth is, in this case, even if blood does exit the womb, it is not Zova blood, it's Nido blood because it's already after that 11-day period. Now, technically speaking, this is an identical case to a regular Zova Katana, a regular minor Zova, in that until she goes to the mikveh, she is certainly Tome, and she is forbidden to have relations with her husband. It's just that as soon as she goes to the mikveh, in general, when a Zova goes to the mikveh, when a Shemesh Yom Kenegi goes to the mikveh, 
For the rest of that day, she's in a state of doubt whether she is pure or not. If she ends up experiencing blood coming out of her womb again later on that day, then it will emerge that she's still Tommy, and going to the mikveh didn't help. But if she won't end up having that experience again that day, so then she became pure as soon as she went to the mikveh. In this case, where she goes to the mikveh on the twelfth day, as soon as she goes to the mikveh, she would know that she's been purified, because there's no way that Zova blood is going to come out of her, because it's already the twelfth day. So even if blood does end up coming out of her womb, it's not going to be considered Zova blood, which means that technically speaking, as soon as she's gone to the mikveh, she would be considered pure. But she can only go to the mikveh during the daytime. So that night, at the end of the 11 days, the 12th night, the beginning of the 12th day, although it's already the 12th day, she has the status of a Shemais Yom Yom, and she's forbidden to have relations until she goes to the mikveh the next day. So the Mishnah first talks about a case where with Tovlala Erev, she went to the mikveh during the night time. Now that doesn't help, because, like we said, technically speaking, she still has the status of Eshmeri Siyom Kenegad Yom, which means that an entire day does need to pass, and then she goes to the mikveh, just like we explained, she can go to the mikveh in the middle of the day, because we consider a part of the day to be like the whole day, but it must be a part of the day, a part of the night, the night time's not enough. So if she goes to the mikveh during the night time, that definitely doesn't help. She's still considered to be Tomei as a Zova, and Vashimsha, if she has relations with her husband, after that, she would still make something that she lies down on, or something that she sits on, Tomei, like a regular Zovar. And the man and the woman who are involved in these relations would be obligated to bring a korban, a sacrifice, for having violated the severe sin of having relations whilst the woman is a Zovar. The truth is that's only true if they didn't know that what they were doing was prohibited then it's considered to be by mistake, but if they did so on purpose, then there is a much more severe punishment, which is kores. They are, so to speak, cut off from Hashem and the Jewish people. But the point is that according to Beis Shammai, she's like a regular Zovar. Beis Hill Omer and Beis Hill say that actually the entire assumption that we've just explained is not true. According to Beis Hillel, if she experiences blood coming out of her womb only on the 11th day... Since it's impossible for that to combine with days after that for her to become a major Zovar, so she wouldn't even become a Shemir Yom Yom. She wouldn't even need to wait before going to the mikveh. As soon as the 11 days are over, she could go to the mikveh, and she would no longer have the status of a Zovar. So if they had relations that night after going to the mikveh, Peturim and Akarabun, they would be exempt from bringing a sacrifice because she has not got the status of a Zovar at the end of the 11 days. That having been said, Midira Bonon, at least, Beis Hillel do agree that it is forbidden for them to have relations that night, because we're afraid that if they do so, they might come to believe that it's permitted to do so in a regular case of a Zovar. The night after, right after blood exited her womb, they'll think that it's permitted as soon as she goes to the mikveh that night, they'll be able to have relations, and that's definitely not correct. So Midira Bonon and Beis Hillel agree that it would be forbidden. What happens if she went to the mikveh on the 12th day? So not that night, but the next day. So the going to the mikveh was done correctly. It's just that, in general, a regular zovah who does so is forbidden to have relations for the rest of that day in case blood exits her womb on that day, in which case it will emerge that the immersion in the mikveh was invalid, and that she's still Tomei. But in this case, the immersion is definitely valid, because even if blood does end up exiting her womb later on that day, it's already the 12th day, so that's not Zova blood. It won't make her Tommy as a Zova, it might make her Tommy as a Nidor from then onwards, but it's impossible for Ziva, Zova blood, to come out of her that day, 
since it's the twelfth day. So technically speaking, as soon as she's been to the mikveh on the twelfth day, it would be permitted for her to have relations with her husband. However, Midrabbanon, in this case, both the Shama and Bissil agree that it is forbidden for her to do so in case they get confused with a regular Zova. Because like we said, for a regular Zova, it's forbidden for her to have relations the rest of that day. So the Shimshai's Besar, if she had relations with her husband on that same day before nightfall, the Achakachurasa, and after that, she saw that she indeed did end up bleeding from her uterus. So the Shama and Bishamai say that Mitami Mishkavu Moishav she would make anything that she lay down on or sat on that entire day tome retroactively. This is a stringency midrabonon, we treat her like a regular zova, but a termina carbon, she's exempt from bringing a carbon, likewise her husband, who had relations with her, they are exempt from bringing a sacrifice, since mid-eraisa, according to the Torah, she is not a zova. Well, they still, I remember, they still say that it's true that Midrabonon, it's totally forbidden for them to have relations for the rest of that day, until nightfall on the, the end of the twelfth day. However, we do not say that retroactively that which she sat on and lay down on and touched is Tome. This is slightly better than the first case of the Mishnah, because over here at least the immersion in the mikveh was done properly. But he'll just say that Harry Zegargron, this is like a very greedy person who can't wait to just fulfill his desires and pleasures. He should have waited until nightfall, he can't even wait that short amount of time. But at the end of the day, that's all that still have to say about the person, but we do not say that retroactively, that which she lay down on, that which she lay down on, or sat on, that which supported her weight, or that which she touched, become Tome retroactively. We do not say that according to Beis Hillel. Umoidim, but certainly Beishamah Beis Hillel agree, with regards to a woman who sees blood exit her womb earlier on during that 11-day period, if she went to the mikveh just that night, and she had relations with her husband, in this case, certainly, anything which she lies down on or sits on will still become Tomei, the Chayavim Bakarban, and they would both be obligated to bring a sacrifice in a case where they did this by mistake without knowing that it's forbidden. Because in this case, she's considered to be 100% a fully-fledged Zava. The immersion in the mikveh is totally invalid because to do it at night time is not good enough because it must be that part of the day time had passed or otherwise the entire going to the mikveh is totally invalid and she is still a Zava. What happens if Tovlov Yom Shalacharov, if in a regular case of a Zava earlier on during these 11 days, she went to the mikveh the next day, so at least that was done properly, but in this case she's got to wait until the end of that day because... If it ends up being that she does bleed that day, so it will emerge that she's still a Zava. But she violated this, and Vashimsha, she had relations with her husband. The Mishnah says, Hari Zoytarbus This is a very bad habit, because if she does see blood that day, then it would emerge that they violated this extremely severe sin. But with regards to that which they touch, whether it becomes Tome or not, and with regards to whether it's permitted to have relations or not, and whether they are obligated to bring a carbon for having done so, Tuluyim, this, we need to wait, essentially, until the end of that day to find out whether or not it was forbidden, whether or not they are obligated to bring a carbon, and whether or not that which they touched becomes Tome. Solik Maseches Nido Mazeltov. It's sort of the, really the last of the longer Masechtas. The rest of the Masechtas are pretty short. We begin in Mirza Hashem Machshirin, and the word Machshirin means things that make another item fit. 
and in this context it means that it makes something fit to become tome. And this is referring to the basic rule that a food item is not able to become tome until it becomes wet. That doesn't mean that it has to be wet at the time that it becomes tome, but it must have become wet in its past at least. It's learnt from Sukkim that if it is something that grows on the ground, then it must have become wet since the time that it was detached from the ground. Otherwise, anything that grows from the ground would automatically be able to become tome, because certainly it rained on that item at some point, or it got wet with dew. However, it must have become wet after it was detached from the ground in order for it to be fit to become tome. And this concept of it being fit to become tome is called hechsher lekabel tumah, or hechsher for short, that it becomes fit for to, be, to become tome, such that once it becomes wet, even if it dries later on, if a source of impurity has contact with that food item, it would make it tome. It must have become wet with one of seven liquids, for which there is a famous acronym, Yad Shochat Dom. Yad, Yud, stands for Yayin, wine. Dal stands for Dvash, honey. Shochat, Shin, stands for Shemen, wo- oil. Ches stands for Cholov. Milk, Tes, stands for Tal, Dew. So, so far, that is Yad Shochat. And the last part of the acronym is Dam, Dalid Mem. Dalid stands for Dam, blood. And Mem stands for Mayim, water. So in summary, the seven liquids are wine, honey, oil, milk, dew, blood, and water. Now, the Gemara points out a seeming contradiction in the Psukim. On the one hand, the Torah says, If water will be placed, if it will end up touching the seeds or the food, then it is fit to become Tomei. On the other hand... The way that that word is written in the Torah, the chiyutan mayim, when water will be placed, the way it is written is without a vov. It doesn't say yutan with a vov. The way it is written is just yud tof nun, which if we read it that way, it says yitain, kiyitain mayim, which refers to the person when a person applies water to the item, and the implication of that translation is that it's only effective in allowing that food to be able to become tome if a person himself went ahead and applied the water to the food or any of the other liquids. But if the liquid went onto the food by itself, then it would not be sufficient. But on the other hand, the way that it is pronounced, if it is placed, that's in the passive form, the water is placed, the implication of that is that even if a person doesn't directly apply the water or the other liquid himself, but it just gets wet, that's enough. So the Gemara answers this contradiction that indeed it is sufficient that the item just get wet. It doesn't have to be that a person directly wets the item himself. However, it needs to be that the owner of the item is pleased about the fact that it has got wet. Just like if he himself wet it, he is happy with what he is doing, he intends to do so. So too, if it gets wet by itself, it must be at least that the owner of the item is pleased with the fact that it has got wet. The truth is, the first Mishnah teaches that as long as at some point in the procedure of the item becoming wet, the owner was pleased about the liquid, that is good enough, as the Mishnah will explain right now. Any liquid whose beginning is with the satisfaction and with the desire, literally, of the owner, meaning the owner wants it, he's happy about it, And this is referring to a stage before the food item even becomes wet. It's referring to the stage where the liquid is, I wouldn't say created, but it's from the stage where the liquid becomes its own entity and is separated from its source, effectively. 
So, for example, when it begins to rain, so the rain was all contained within the clouds, and as soon as it starts to rain, that's when the liquid in its current form is formed. So if at that stage the owner is happy about it, for example, he's got some dirty dishes and he puts them out in the rain so that they'll be cleaned. So he is showing, he is demonstrating that he is happy with the rain being there. Even if at the end it is not with his satisfaction and his desire, the end is referring to the stage when the actual food gets wet. If we take the example we just talked about, if the rain ends up rebounding from the dishes that he put out there to wash them, and it ends up causing some food to get wet, he never intended for that to happen and he's not happy about that either. Nevertheless, since at the beginning, in terms of the liquid, he was pleased about the presence of the liquid, that is enough that the liquid is considered to have the ability to be machsher, to make the food fit to become tome, and as soon as the food becomes wet with that liquid, it would then be fit to become tome, such that if a source of impurity were to touch later on, it would make it tome. Oi, or if Shasaifalarotzain, if at the end, when the food became wet, the owner was happy about it, even if it, at the beginning, when it started to rain, he wasn't happy about the fact that it was raining, in either of these cases, since at either of the two stages he was pleased with the liquid being there, this is included in what the Torah talks about, the Chiyutan Maimel Zera, when water will be placed on seeds, on food, when the Mishnah in this Masechta will refer to Kiyutan, that's just the language that the Pasuk uses to say that Hechsher occurred, that it did become fit to become Tomei. The Mishnah ends off with another law that is learnt from Psukim, that Mashkim Tameim, a liquid that itself is Tomei, for example, if there is water that is already Tomei itself, and then the water touches the food, that would make the food tome whether the owner was pleased about it or even if he wasn't pleased about it at all. At either of the two stages, it's learned from Psukim that if the liquid itself is tome, then it would make the item fit to become tome, and also it would make it tome automatically at the same time because as soon as it touches it, it's already fit to become tome. Mishnah Base, as we explained, the contradiction in the Psukim with regards to whether the liquid has to touch the fruit as a result of a direct action of the person, or whether it can happen even passively, is that it's enough for it to happen even without him doing it directly, as long as he's pleased about it. If the owner of the fruit is pleased about the fact that they got wet, it's considered to be somewhat as if he caused it. He sort of allowed it to happen. This mission is going to show that if the owner was involved in any way in causing the fruit to get wet, even if he didn't really show that he was so satisfied about it, since his action was involved in wetting the fruit, that's considered to be a form of allowing it to happen, and we consider it as if he is pleased about it, because by him causing it to occur, it is as if he is pleased with the fact that the fruit is getting wet. If somebody shakes a tree in order to cause some fruit to fall down from the tree, or if there is a source of impurity or something that is impure that is stuck in a tree and he's trying to shake the tree so that it falls down, and meanwhile this tree had some rain on it, and by him shaking the tree, some of that rain fell down onto fruit that are underneath the rain. The Mishnah says, those fruit would not become fit to become Tomei, Hechsher does not occur, since the person is not pleased about them getting wet. His aim over here was in order to cause 
cause the item or the fruit to fall down. He has no interest whatsoever in the rain falling down onto the fruit, and therefore Hechsha does not occur. The Hashimenu Mashkin. However, if he was shaking the tree in order that the liquid, the, the, the rainwater, should fall down out of the tree, both the rainwater that comes out of the tree onto fruit that are lying on the ground underneath it, the Eshaboy, as well as the rain that falls onto a different part of the tree, but is still within the tree, even though his aim was to cause the rain to go out of the tree totally. Nevertheless, since he did an action that caused this to happen, Bechiyutan, Hersher occurs. Even though he's not necessarily, we don't see the fact that he's pleased about it happening, since he did cause it, it's as if he's pleased about it happening, because he's the one who caused that fruit to become wet because of his action. Basil and Basil say, Hayotzen Bechiyutan. The rainwater that goes out of the tree onto the fruit underneath it, underneath the tree, that would become Mukhshrele Kabutumai, would become fit to become Tomei, the Eshaboi. However, the rainwater that remains within the tree, even if it goes onto a different branch, let's say, Enon Bechiyutan, it would not make any of those fruit fit to become Tomei, because he intended when he shook the tree that the water should go out of the tree totally. Basil are coming to say that it's not enough that your action caused it, it's got to be that your action fulfilled its purpose, and that was what you were trying to do. In that case, even if we don't see the fact that you are pleased about it because you intended to do that action, and your purpose was fulfilled, so that would make the fruit fit to become Tomei. But Shammai, to a certain extent, agree. That's why in the first case of the Mishnah, where he was trying to just get rid of the food from the tree, and he wasn't trying to move the rainwater, that's why even Bishamai agreed that it wouldn't make the fruit fit to become Tomei. It's just that in this case, since to a certain extent his intention was fulfilled, he was trying to move the water, that is enough according to Bishamai. Mishnah Gimel, Hamarius Sa'ilan, one who shakes a tree in order that some of the rainwater that's on the tree should go out of it. The Nofal al-Chaveray and the water which was on the tree ends up falling onto a different tree, and there are fruit on that tree. The question is whether those fruit become fit to become Tomei. I should note, by the way, it's important to remember that as long as the fruit are connected to the tree, they can't become Tomei. So either we're talking about fruit that are already detached from their tree, or that rainwater remains on the fruit until the fruit is detached, and from that second it can already become fit to become Tomei. Or if he shook a soicha, one of the branches of a tree, v'nofra al-chaverta, and the rainwater fell onto a different branch of the same tree, v'tachtem z'roima yirokai samchubarim lakarka. And underneath the second tree or the second branch, there are grain or different vegetables that are still attached to the ground underneath the tree. And they end up getting wet. So as a result of his action, the water fell onto something else and then it rebounded onto these things that are growing in the ground underneath the tree. And we're going to understand that later on he comes to cut the grain or the vegetables from the ground and they are still wet. They are fit to become Tomei because it's a result of his action that they became wet. And he knew that that would happen. It was pretty obvious that when the water would fall down onto the lower branch, it would end up rebounding and going down to the ground. And therefore, it would be fit to become Tomei. However, they still say, They are not fit to become Tomei since the action was indirect, and therefore we can't consider it as if he is pleased with it happening because it's not direct enough from his action. In the name of Abayosi the man who lived in Tivain, Tama You should ask yourself in amazement, is there such a concept of water or of a liquid making something fit to become Tomei? 
without the owner of that liquid having the intention for the liquid to go onto the item. Shenemra, as the Pasuk says, zera, and when water will be placed, will have contact with something growing in the ground. Essentially, Rabbi Yeshua agrees with Bishilel, and he's coming to say that in this case, we don't have any indication of the person being pleased with the fruit becoming wet, because there was no direct action to cause that.